I don't, I don't know. This time I don't watch TV. It's not good for you. Awesome. Um, what, do we, what do we want to start with? Start with the review. Uh, let's get into some Apple stuff because I want to kill that beast pretty quickly. Kill it. Kill it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. This, uh, this uh, review is titled No BS Salesforce Commentary. I like that. Who's uh, it from? Uh, that's what I'm getting to. It's okay. kind of one of those uh, usernames that are all run together. So I don't know where the first name and last name ends or how to even how to pronounce it, but I'm going to say Amy Rochelle. Amy Rochelle? I think so. Okay. <laughs> uh, this person says, I've listened to this podcast for almost three years now. Every time I turn it on, I feel, I feel like I feel kindred spirits in Jeremy and John as they openly discuss the positive and negatives of releases, feature updates, and news around Salesforce. They hold no punches in, the, in their assessments, which is so refreshing. At last, I found a podcast that isn't corrupted by sales. Yep. <laughs> we are dedicated to being in the red. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I am not a developer in the traditional sense of the word, but I love listening to the dev angle because it makes me aware of, important el- of an important element I might otherwise ignore. Excellent dialogue and commentary. Keep it up, you guys. Beer talk adds levity I enjoy. Don't ever lose it. Hmm. There's, there's another one, another pro beer talk. Yeah. We got a lot of cons, a lot of pros. We should keep count. Well, that, well, that's... Well, this, is, this show is for those that, that don't like our beer talk because we have no beer today. That's true, but we can certainly talk about beer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, thank you, Amy Rochelle, for the review. That was very nice. This, is, this, is, this show is about kindred spirits, it, and it is about, you know, we... This space that we're in is you're just bombarded with sales and bullshit and and just it's impossible to know like what's real what's not what's the true story on something you know it's it's just yeah that's i mean that's part of what this was all about starting this was just like let's just have some real talk well shoot and maybe and maybe someone would want (laughs) to listen in on it you know well now i've got a segue into a topic before we get to the apple stuff because that that just set it up and that was this article i read about salesforce's new ad campaign that they're launching uh which is in an attempt to try to clarify what Salesforce does, because apparently the big problem that they're trying to solve for right now is that no one really knows what Salesforce does. They might know the name, they might see the building, they might see the tower, but I'm no not one... even sure what Salesforce does. I, th- I know they throw giant parties all the time, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess the new tagline, the new campaign that they're trying to use is we, br- and this is their tagline quote, we bring companies and customers together. So the new ad campaigns are going to center around that, and there'll be modifications and tweaks to it. Meaning, uh, one in particular for retail says we bring retailers and shoppers together. Um, I, it's still all vague to me. It still doesn't tell me what I get and what I can do with Salesforce. So I don't. I'm not a marketing expert, so maybe they know something I don't know, and this is going to bring in tons of more business. But to me, it's just it's How just you, another way of being vague. Okay, Salesforce is a twenty-something-year-old company, so they've been around a while now, especially for, as far as tech companies go. Um, they are at a fifteen billion dollar a year run rate and have thrown so much mud against the wall. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you start to explain what a company like that does? I mean, they well, I've, how many I've, different products are? There? I wonder I mean, why are they struggling? Why are they having it's, it's to do this? It's a database. This? It's a platform. It's a it's a selling thing. It's a but why are it's they, a commerce thing? It's, it's I, like you know, well, I mean, you have bigger, an integration thing. You have it's a, companies it's, that are just as big. Microsoft, who's, who's Covers the gamut of technology. Oracle covers the gamut of technology. I don't but, see them struggling or trying to... But explain to a layperson what Microsoft does. It's but why is Why is Salesforce trying to explain that to a layperson, though? 
Well, I actually, you know, before I... It feels like their marketing <laughs> marketing campaign is trying to dumb down for a consumer market when their audience is business. Who, who Their audience is CIO Magazine. I mean, they've got them covered. Um, yeah, so I, I was just thinking the other day, before, I, before this news even came out, that's interesting that Salesforce does very little like mass marketing. Well, they've but, tried. They've done the Super Bowl ads. Exactly. And, and that's the like first that. thing that came to my mind when I thought about that. That's And that's the only thing I could think of. I'm like, well, there was a Super Bowl thing. And that, of course, how many years ago was that now? Do you, can, I bet that was like four or five years ago. You think? I think so. <laughs> maybe. Think? I haven't watched the Super Bowl in years, so maybe. Um, so, that yeah, they, I mean, historically just have done very little, just like general awareness, brand marketing, mass marketing. And it's probably about time. I mean, I, the... I don't know. I mean, I, you know, they haven't had a lot of, I mean, they've put all their marketing money in things like Dreamforce and other parties, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's worked very well for them. So, and, and it's questionable how much of a return you get on like TV ads and crap like that anyway, which is, it sounds like what they're going to start, you know, it's going to be TV print, you know, you're going to open up, what's the, what's the magazine stuff. that Benioff bought? Time magazine or something? Well, um, I've been seeing a lot of their ads on YouTube as well. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen they're any actually pretty good. Ads. I think, I, I think, it, do I have ads? No, I, I see ads on YouTube. I don't see Salesforce ads yeah. though. No, I, I have, and they're, they're pretty entertaining. They're funny. They're, they're kind of the jokingly type thing that I find pretty entertaining. I appreciate those type of commercials. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. I know you're selling to me, but you're entertaining me at the same time. It's, it's funny. No, I, think it makes, I, won't, I won't click. I think skip. it makes sense for them to just do some general awareness. I mean, it just, it's just so, because, I mean, and think about it, who's, who is Salesforce's customer? Again, it's mainly like CMOs, top you know, sales presidents. Um, yeah, maybe uh, who else? Maybe maybe some you know just at sea level stuff. You know that's mm -hmm. of 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 companies. I mean, so you don't you wouldn't run a you wouldn't want to run an ad on primetime TV. I mean, not generally, but I mean they're getting to the point they're big enough that they can they, they probably got enough cash that they could they could blow some cash on just general mass marketing. It just it just helps reassure. You know, you always just want reinforcing yeah, the brand. It's a reinforcement itself. exactly. Yeah. Um, now I did see about this news, and I did some some reaching out to people, and I actually got um, a sample mm. of some media from this because you probably weren't able to find any. I don't know if you looked. I didn't look. Uh, so I I did <laughs> I did get uh, I, I lucked out, and someone hooked me up. Um, it's just the audio, but it's um, yeah, it's from this campaign, and and well, and the campaign is called um, well, it's it's like all it's it's the it's the what does Salesforce do campaign, right? I mean, that's, that's what this is all about. So this is this is a perfect clip that describes what Salesforce does. Salesforce only does one thing, which is CRM. <laughs> I just snorted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man, that that was good. Uh, I had you there, didn't I, John? You did. Uh, Why don't they just play that? You know what? I just saved you a ton of money, Salesforce. Salesforce only does one thing, which is CRM. Get your money back from that ad, from your big ad company. It's called stimulating the economy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, don't know. It'll, 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 I mean, it'll be amusing to see Salesforce's ads on TV or whatever, but other than that, I'm like, I don't yeah. know. They're going to have... Um, I, I, well, well, I said I did enjoy those commercials. It, it is a bit of intrusion to me because I feel like I'm working when I see the Salesforce ad. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to relax. I, I got my whiskey. I'm trying to relax. I don't want to see a Salesforce ad right now. I want to see something else. Well, and every time I see them just throwing money around, I'm like... Why don't you like fix some of the stuff that we need you to fix instead of just blowing it on like a oh my TV ad or something? <laughs> I'm having so many basic problems. Like I, some of the problems I'm having right now. Yeah, you're not every, like every ad. So here's the thing about my situation. 
because I'm a developer and because I was usually part of a bigger team, am I, I'm, I'm going into a tangent here. Uh, well, I'll try to keep it short. As I'm used to having a team where someone handles a lot of the point and clicks, which means point and clicks. Why can't I talk? I have no beer. Uh, I'm sober. You, you need a I'm beer. I'm sober. You're so worked up. You need a beer right now. <laughs> is, is I've atrophied on, on the point and click side of it because there's always someone who, who focused on that or specialized in that while I focus and specialize on the code. So now that I'm in a small ISV shop, I have to do both. And so there's a lot of things I either don't know or things that change that I'm having to learn about. And then layer that on, to- on top of that, the restrictions of a managed package. And it's, it's starting to get to me a little bit. I'm starting to see things that I'm like, I, this is way harder than it needs to be. I had this huge issue with record types the other day. I'm having issues with page layouts because you apparently can't upgrade your page layouts. You can release a new one, but you can't upgrade yeah. it. And unless you like create a whole new layout and call it something different, it's just, it's just things like that. Just A lot of that's just stuff that you're just supposed to, I mean, you need to know though. I, I mean, know. I can't tell if you're complaining just more about your, my lack of your knowledge. lack of knowledge on that stuff or something that Salesforce is doing wrong. Well, I think partially it's lack of knowledge, but another part of it is this is an application. I'm building this product and I can't do things with it. I can't refactor certain things and I can't make things better because of this legacy crap that can never go away. (laughs) I can never delete this. I can only deactivate it and it sits there in my source control. Yeah. It sucks. Well, and some of that's just like, it's, it's fundamental. You know, I got to, Salesforce does create have a lot of problems of their own making, but there's also just fundamental problems that are essential, like essential complexity versus, you know, accidental complexity. And some of these things are when you, when you're packaging up, you know, these artifacts that by, you know, on, but purposefully expose things that customers can form dependencies on, whether it's a page layout or an, a global Apex class. Mm-hmm. Um you can't those are that's a contract it's like it's like putting an api out there or something and you can't just go like changing that yeah it would break every it would break things um so you know i mean i think salesforce has learned a lot i'm sure there's a ton of things they could do differently because they've learned so much about how people are going to use packages and how isvs are going to develop them and what customers are going to do with them but we are where we are and they've, they've improved a lot of it though actually yeah um it's i mean there's there's still just some hard limitations on what you can't get rid of and of course this, that's a whole part of forget forget the packaging part of it at all. Just like refactoring Apex code or something like that. Just, just the tooling still is. Yeah. And and even though a lot of the third party tooling and even Salesforce is you know some of their first party tooling is trying to make that better. So there's just like fundamental problems with like just the whole deployment model of of dealing with your metadata artifacts. It's just it, it, that that. That to me is like, and I don't know. I mean, is that essential complexity or accidental complexity? I mean, should that should have been done better? Is this this is a problem that you don't have again on other platforms? But the, then again, Salesforce is kind of a unique platform. So yeah, is it their fault? Is it should they have done better? Should we expect more? Is it just is it just part of you know the world's most flexible metadata driven platformer? What what is, I need to get the exact <laughs> quote on that platformer? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I'll, I'll take the political stance on that and say it's everyone's fault. <laughs> no, but I mean, you're, you know, you're again, that, that's what I, I find this interesting that you're getting into ISV land now, because <clears throat> there are a lot of things that, um, that aren't essential complexity that are just, there's just a lot of gotchas and, and a lot of WTFs in, in ISV land still. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, my transition might be a little, I don't know, I, I, I'm experienced enough. I can handle the, the challenge that I'm faced with, with this legacy code and really bad things going on. 
But uh, um, yeah, I wonder if my experience would be different with a Greenfield project. I don't know. And it probably wouldn't. There's never a good time because now we have packaging two or second generation packaging on the horizon. There's no migration path for existing packages. So what does that mean? Someday I'm going to have to create a whole new namespace. And I'm also not sure, I guess, again, I don't work a lot with packages, but a lot of that's more driven towards um, enterprise orgs, not ISV orgs. The second generation? Yeah. I thought we were going to better get better tooling about how we distribute and, and create dependencies on the packages, the whole module framework, yeah, like yeah. being able to use the same namespace and have extension packages instead of all these different separate isolated packages that somehow connect with some loose coupling. It's just... Yeah, maybe I was just thinking of locked packages. I know there's a lot more to it than that, so... And I'm I'm just not... I'm still on the cursory of it, too, yeah. so I'm as ignorant as you are, I'm yeah. sure. Well, John, we talked about... We've been talking about WeWork a little bit just because I've, I've been fascinating. Uh, it's been fascinating to follow just some of the news. That, well, really, in the past couple of years, just um, how their their growth curve and, and the crazy ways that they've or the, the crazy promises that have been made and the things they've said about like how they're changing, how real estate works. And I mean, not, they're just not, you know, I'm like, what, wait a minute. You just, you, you rented a floor in a building and you, and then you sublet out little crappy offices and now you're changing how real estate. I mean, what, huh? what, what is going on? No, but, you, know, you get, you get free, um, fruity water, <laughs> coffee. Oh shit. You didn't say um, free fruity water. Ton, ton, I didn't know that. Tons of free carbs on random days, yeah. sometimes Friday, sometimes Monday. Maybe, maybe they'll have a keg set up. God, can you imagine? That's the last <laughs> thing I need is just like three beers on tap inside my office. I would, <laughs> I'll be dead in a year. Uh, but, uh, but no, they've they've been trying to you know they've they've put together an IPO and that's yeah. what's been in the news and it's because it's news, lost a lot of value since uh, yeah since the news first. just progressively gotten worse. I mean, as people learn more about as the investor community, potential investor community is learning more about how they've been running their business and what's real and what's not. It's it's starting to completely fall apart. So let me is that what I have? That's what I have queued up here. Hang on, uh, let's see if this works. Do the numbers add up? What's the concern here of SoftBank? Well, that's the big issue. The numbers don't add up. So SoftBank is their biggest investor, their biggest funder. They own like 30 or 40 percent. Yeah, like I think they also have um, another iffy. Uh, isn't it Uber that they back? Uh, I think so, actually. Yeah, I think they were getting some some flack because of, like two of their biggest investments on their fund is <laughs> questionable. <laughs> questionable. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of money they put, they put behind yeah. these companies. I mean, it's, people have been struggling for a while to understand how this business could have even been pitched at 65 billion. There's been so much skepticism about this business. It's lost 3 billion over three years. I think for the first half of this year, it lost over 600 million. No one really... I don't know if that's gap or non-gap. I guess it doesn't matter since they're private still. Quite understands the business model. And then when it comes out with its uh, IPO filing uh, a, few, a few weeks ago, and it was this almost this archetypal unicorn about huge issues with corporate governance, about we find out that uh, obviously that the CEO and the founder has been renting back his property to WeWork. I mean, that's kind of... That's, that's, that's shady. It, that is so... How is that even remotely pass any kind of ethical or legal test that's got to be illegal or something i mean yeah i mean or e even just for the shareholders of of we work i mean because he's only i'm sure he's a shareholder but he's only one of the shareholders right there's other and you can't just like do scammy deals yeah. like that with with your company 
like me freelancing on the side to Bloomberg whilst getting paid by Bloomberg. It all seems a bit puzzling. And obviously, now when they finally go on and meet investors and try and get an understanding about the real valuation of this business, it's far from what was promised the, to the founders. But Jazz, have we heard this before with you know other companies that have IPO'd? I mean, there, there were serious concerns about Uber. Or is this different because it's just company leasing? Actually, the business model can be replicated even easier than, than for example, you know, the, the car company. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. With Uber, there's a very good argument that it really was disrupting a business. With WeWork, there's no real great argument that it is truly changing the real estate business. Um, we wrote a piece of... Now, maybe he doesn't know about the fruity water, John. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I actually have an article on Uber that I want to talk about right after this. All right, let me, let's play this out. It's about 30 more seconds. Friday, and we highlighted the fact that uh, the SoftBank uh, sort of main investors, the main people in charge of SoftBank were pitched a very similar business to WeWork but a far lower uh, valuation uh, and they, they ignored it because they really bought into this idea that WeWork could disrupt it but investors just don't, don't agree with them at all. When do we find out if they do IPO or whether they shelve it? I think we'll find out something in the next few weeks. Things seem to be happening very quickly. I mean, we started writing about this drop in valuation on, on, on Friday, about worth between 20 and 30 billion. Over the weekend, it's suddenly now worth less than 20 billion. And now suddenly SoftBank are thinking about pulling out. So I suspect we'll see something pretty soon. Um, and the other reason I'm involved is just because this is like, you know, this is your main office too. Now, yeah. as we work, so. <laughs> yeah. You and Salesforce, right? Yep. I'm on the. I'm <laughs> what on are you the, guys going to do? I don't know. Well, I think. I, I think Salesforce got their sign up on one of the buildings now. So whatever, I don't know if it's officially going to be called a tower, but I know there's a new whole building that they've leased quite a bit of floors on. So yeah, I'm sure my floor will get pretty empty once they leave. <laughs> they kind of monopolize the space though. But it's, Salesforce. Yeah. yeah. I, I wish I was back down on eighth floor instead of 12th floor because they, they could do kind of monopolize it. But you know, if this IPO, I mean, I'm sure they're counting on the, the funding that will come in from this IPO, like the cash, you know, Oh yeah, I'm sure all get. these investors and everything are looking to to cash out on this because it. No, I mean, I mean, well, no, the the company right is selling. Uh, that's but that's when IPOs like you're you just sell like a ton of stock all at once and you get this massive and you know one time cash infusion. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that WeWork's been counting on that. Like, and I, then I wonder if they if they can't make this IPO happen, then what happens to their cash flow? I mean, can they go, go on much longer without this IPO happening? I mean, I think it's a house of cards, man. This thing sounds like a disaster. No, I hope not. I don't lose my office. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. I mean, so I don't know. Interesting. Keep something to, it's one of these interesting stories. I don't know. This one, you know, these, these overzealous people that, uh, I don't know if that's the right term or not, but that, I know they're willing to, um, d again, do shady stuff or like kind of break the rules or bend the, bend the rules you know, so they can make their, so their business will be different or something. It's like, well, at some point you got to play it by the rules, right? Well, it's, it's also kind of this, this trend that we've been, we've been, we, gosh, really can't talk that we've been seeing, um, starting with Amazon, you know, Amazon being this company that never made a profit, but it just was valued so high and it's worth billions. And now it's starting to make a profit. Salesforce, another story of just no profit, uh, Google, well, no, Google's always had some of the other parts of it just never yeah. done well, but Ad revenue has been their biggest thing. It's and, and so then now you have companies like Uber, no profit. WeWork, no profit. This is there's trading on this idea, and and this this constant idea of growth and everything they've all been chasing and trying to play with the numbers to achieve. That's true. I I, I feel like I, WeWork's a little different though because they to, to me they have a questionable business model. Well, they do, and it's it's the same it's the same questionable business model that I have problem I have with like with Uber or so, any any of these things that are 
coming yeah. in to be tra- transformative or disruptive. I, I, mean, I feel like I understand the Uber business model. You know, you just you're selling taxi rides and you're just skimming us off the top. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, but they're undercutting. So, so they they're they're essentially they're, they're, buying their way into a monopoly. The they're buying the yeah. market, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, and, and this article on Uber is actually about their trucking division, which is losing a ton of money, like billions of, of dollars on on this Uber freight division that they have. And they're going to double down. They're going to invest another two hundred million on it. Now, my my father's in the dispatching industry, trucking industry, he has been for years, and I was talking to him about it. He's like, "Yeah, they're they're pretty much forcing a lot of small people out of business." I mean. Because they're they're basically losing money on this, they're selling really cheap and undercutting any of the bigger freight carriers. Who is uh, Uber? How, they're doing freight. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, huh? Didn't know. So that. essentially, it's it's basically Uber, but with uh, independent contractors. Okay, uh, which most of the trucking industry is made oh. up of independent contractors huh. for the most part. Interesting. So owner operators, they have their own truck, they have their own trailers, all that kind of stuff. Um, so they're playing, they're doing the matchups, and they're they're. Coordinating all that, but so they're what, taking like if, a very small so cut. If you're, if you're a trucker and you do Uber, you you get like a thing. It's like, hey, we, we got a load that's from yep. Dallas to you know uh, yep. to, uh, to Phoenix. Do you want it? You want it? And yep. It's like, really? Yeah, that's. I mean, it, it is, but I mean, they're not only is is it just the fact that they have the application, the technology to do the matching, but they've mm-hmm. also been selling it really cheap and to incentivize their their drivers, they've been giving them most of the money. So they're only taking a very small cut of whatever is coming out of it. So they're able to sell cheap. They're basically running on no profit. They're buying their way into the industry, and they're killing any of these other smaller shops. It, it's. It, I mean, this is as old as business, right? It's this. Yeah. It's the monopoly tactic. You, it is that. Yeah. <clears throat> you just you know you sell low. You get investors to fund you. In the meantime, you go mm-hmm. public or whatever until you've destroyed everyone or you've t- you've you've made yourself the certainly by the way the, at least the runaway market leader, and right. then you jack prices up. Or yeah, you, and that or was, you, that's the next step is, is, yeah, it's all cheap and, and fun now, but eventually, if they're going to make a profit, those prices have to come up. I mean, look at Salesforce. Those prices have come up. I don't they, they come up, up, but, you know, with someone, someone like Salesforce, I mean, they're in the technology business, and, and you know, technology always gets like, you know, it, it, every every year, technology is like half the price it was before for the same amount of technology. So while Salesforce is, in some ways, their costs have just dramatically fall every year, like, they don't lower their – it doesn't get cheaper. Salesforce doesn't get cheaper. No. In, in fact, they raise their prices over time. Um, and it, it will raise their prices could mean a lot of things. It's either they raise right. the price or they extend the contract. Yeah, yeah. They go from two-year, one-year, two, three-year to five-year contracts. So, so normally you get, the, you get that benefit of technology is always getting cheaper. Mm-hmm. You know, you can always get more for less with technology, except, you know, it doesn't work that way. Probably, I guess, with software as a service in general. doesn't – they – that's part of their business plan, right, is that we're going to – Establish a price, and then over time, our costs will drop, but our, we're going to keep this price, and we'll then we get to take advantage of that. Which which isn't a bad strategy. I mean, that's anything. Yeah. You get proficient at something, and you thus you can increase your margin. Especially, you if, especially if you have a sticky service, right? Yeah. You get them in, get them locked in. Right. What I'm not a fan of is is this kind of monopoly buy-in where you're just undercutting everybody just to make – while you're getting funded by all these major banks to basically exist for – decades with no profit that's their prerogative but the problem becomes if that results in a monopoly which that's their that's their goal right is to be if not monopoly you know a, a the dominant leader sure so that they can then leverage that and raise prices that's yeah. that's obviously the goal you want to talk about larry ellison getting sued sure because i didn't hear about this <laughs> so there's a lawsuit against larry ellison and safra Cuts. Um, oh, look, because of the uh, 9.3 billion NetSuite deal. 
Okay. So they're they're essentially so I guess a lot of the investors, um, stakeholders, <laughs> um, are we fan- talked about this when it happened? Yeah, because Larry was a big owner of Netsuite, right? Yeah, I mean he did. was a founder. That's why I want to bring yeah. it up. It's like okay. yeah, we called it. Yeah. <laughs> so so they're they're essentially moving forward with with, an, with a lawsuit claiming that uh, because Ellison had owned so much percentage of it that it was a bit shady and that that the board did not fight hard enough for for a lesser deal. So essentially claiming that they really overpaid for for NetSuite and that Ellison uh, benefited hugely. So what's from that. what's Katz's think, role in this? She, was she an owner of NetSuite, or are they saying she was complicit in helping Larry out? I think I think it's more of a complicity. Okay. Yeah, I mean Ellison, I think made out with four billion out of that deal or something. So yeah, out of nine point three billion, I mean that's quite a percentage of that it always seems shady to me but then we also realize that salesforce is doing the same thing salesforce would buy companies that benioff was a was a investor in it's like okay i mean i guess we were just like i guess this is the way it happens i mean to me it's like am i taking crazy pills i guess so because everyone else seems to think this is normal yeah but it's you know it's all disclosed it's been disclaimed if if they were hiding it'd be one thing but i mean this is all public record and obviously when salesforce oracle decide to buy a company i mean they they've got all that information they make yeah. that decision. The question is: Is there are there backroom deals? Is there are, are the quid pro quos for this? Hey, you know, I need you guys to support me on this deal, mm-hmm. and I'll make it up to you, right? Yeah. That kind of stuff. And of course, that happens. It's business. It's a it's America. It's a American <laughs> way. That's how we do it here. Well, how, how we how do we do this? How do we get to be worth? We're, we're the schmucks. How do we get to be? We, uh, we do a podcast, John. How do we get to be Alibaba rich? Forty freaking billion dollar. Jesus, I didn't know he was in a kung fu movie. Did he like? I didn't know that either. Produce a kung fu movie and know. and wanted to. Is he old it? enough to? You talking about? Uh, is it Jack Ma? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, still, um, who, who's the richest guy? It's, it's still it's um, Bezos, right? Hundred and something billion. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. That number does not compute with me. Yeah, it doesn't. I I don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. Before we get to Apple. This is, uh, you hate these. Some people hate these. I like them. So sorry if you hate them. I think Jody M hates them. Another, another thing, I'm just, I don't know why she listens. We do beer talk. We talk about uh, these developer surveys and she hates all of them. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so JetBrains does their annual state of the developer ecosystem. Oh, is that is it time for that? I guess. I, I don't know. Even when this is released, I just came across my newsfeed. I assume it was recent. It's the 2019 one, so... Uh, they say in the beginning. Oh, of it's the. Uh, I'm sorry. It's the other one that we usually cover. Have we? I don't think we've covered this one before. I think we probably have. You're, th- you're, th- you're thinking of the TOB index or whatever. No, no, no. The um, oh, the Stack Overflow. Stack Overflow. Yeah, one. we do that one yeah. too. I mean, if you think about it, we do way too many of these things <laughs> when you start to add them up. <laughs> it's but, content. <laughs> but okay, so they say in the beginning of 2019, we pulled almost 7,000 developers to identify the state of the developer ecosystem. Now, I, I didn't read the. Um, like their methodology. Um, I'm sure there's like fine print on this, but I'm assuming this is like, this is JetBrains developers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's their developers. So it's people that use IntelliJ and RubyMine and what's the WebStorm and these things. So it's, you know, it's going to be ultimate biased by some degree. But the, the top, the key takeaways, key takeaways, <laughs> uh, Java is the most popular primary programming language. So they ask people like, what's your primary, right? Java is the most popular one. Uh, JavaScript is the most overall used programming language. Uh, and the next thing I'm going to let you guess on, unless you're looking at it right now. <laughs> you're 
you're looking at it. Okay. No, so I, I so actually the, not where you're at. I was somewhere else. The most it. promising programming language is most promising. Most promising. Uh, Golang. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Liar. I wasn't looking. I always get confused on like, is Go or Rust? You know, take I, I always gonna get them confused. I'm rooting on. for Rust, even though I <laughs> rooting for Rust. I'm rooting for Rust, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, one second, sing a song for me, John. Do, 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 do. And the most studied language, Python. Yeah, I think that's because everyone says you need to learn Python, and that means that the, <laughs> so that you have started or continued to learn Python in the. Last twelve months is what that is. So that's a, that's a good leading indicator, I would say. You know, wasn't Python the new darling of uh, coding camps? It's I, like it got a resurgence I, with it, or something. It may may have, and it's always been a good teaching language. Um, I think Java for the longest time was the primary language taught in like universities and stuff. Um, all throughout the two thousands, I'm sure. But Python is really, I think, I don't know if they've taken the mantle, but I mean, they've certainly certainly made big interest. I mean, think about it with Java. I mean. If you start, if you're teaching a programming class, I mean, you got to teach them about. There's a compiler, and you got to do this class and public static void main garbage just to do and pass in some arguments just to do anything. And Python, you can have a one line thing and go. Or and there's and there's a REPL too, you know. Hmm. Um, Why not Salesforce? I mean, you, you get a you get an ORM out of it and everything. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Even, I'm not even going to gratify. Not gratify. What's the word <laughs> called? You get a simple. I'm not going to get a simple language. There's no inheritance. There's 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 no generics. It's very simple. You yeah, can declare variables, public, private. <laughs> get direct access to a database. Yeah, there you go, man. That should be the next it's teaching like language. Microsoft Access. Oh wait, I've said that before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Let me scroll past a bunch of images here. Um, yeah. So so the the if you I guess they made you pick your primary programming language. Choose no more than three, and it was the order was JavaScript. Was forty percent. That's interesting. Java, Python, HTML, CSS. I guess is a language. SQL. That makes sense. PHP, C sharp, TypeScript. See, where are you on TypeScript, John? I want to use it, but I have no reason to use it right now. Ah, uh, you do have reason to use it. I'm just completely sold on TypeScript. I I haven't done TypeScript in a while, but um, this is this goes back a couple of years, so uh, maybe just a year. Um, but I did a um, it was an, I think it was an Angular project. But I did, I guess you kind of had to use TypeScript. I was kind of forced to use TypeScript. Yeah. And I learned it and loved it. I mean, once you, I mean, the, it just by the fact, just by the virtue of you using TypeScript, there's so much that your compiler and IDEs can do for you. Yeah. That otherwise, you just, you could, well, I, was, I mean. It's, it's I mean, really at the awesome. time, I was dancing between Dart and TypeScript. And, and TypeScript, I gravitated to more so than Dart. Yeah, Dart, I feel like never... And did it take off? I mean, it was. Um, I mean, I was, I was, I was interested in Dart because it wasn't. Not only did it give you the typing, but it also promised or had the the vision of becoming a new first citizen language in a browser. In the browser, so like no transpiling, right? Except that we all have to support old browsers, right? But it just, it just <laughs> and, never... and non Chrome browsers. <laughs> it just doesn't seem to happen. Although maybe it will. Isn't Dart going to be the new language for the new OS? The non-Java OS, or is what OS? Who's OS? Google's. Oh no, that's Kotlin. Oh, it's wait a minute. Co- I'm thinking of Android. Android is Kotlin. Okay. I don't know. I, I I really don't follow the whole Dart thing that much. Yeah, I don't either. Um, this was interesting to me. What What is your operating system environment? Can guess the like the breakdown between? Wait a minute. 
I guess you could choose more than one. What are your operating? What? Oh, wait, sorry. Which operating systems are your de development environments? And I guess people could choose more than one. I'll just tell you probably what Linux, Mac, so fifty-seven percent Windows. Windows, which is I expect Windows, but forty-nine percent Mac. I mean, basically half of developers are developing. Well, I can tell you, walking around WeWork and seeing a bunch of startups, they're all using Macs. Macs, yeah. I mean, because you know, Apple still has what maybe ten percent of the computer market share. It's not. A, it's still a. I don't know. That could be a stale number, but I mean, it's definitely like under twenty percent. And yeah, developers have always liked Macs, but to see it at forty nine percent, and then forty eight percent was Unix and Linux. But I wonder if that includes things like um, Docker lightweight containers and and and, and just VMs in general. You know, I don't know. I mean, but what else is there? I mean, there's only those three players. Uh, do you contribute to open source projects? Forty one percent no, but I'd like to. Twenty one percent yes from time to time. Nineteen percent only only a few times. Yeah, I just need to cut my teeth on it and do it and get a pull request and see if I become addicted to it like you, Mister Thousand Line Pull Request. <laughs> well, you have to you have to find a project that I mean I don't know, you, actually I shouldn't say that I mean you can just go find any project that you're kind of remotely interested in and just go look at their issues list or find problems with their documentation to start fixing stuff because most of the documentation is driven by the it's in the source code right so you can my problem is I got to go clean up my own house before I clean up someone yeah, else's. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I mean, I also feel like you can learn, especially a lot of us guys who are guys and gals who are um, fairly solo. You can learn a lot about just better working with better ways of working with or how to work on a team. Basically, it's, you can get kind of get a lot of that team thing without being on a team, um, mm. just having to work with people, having to conform to like a team's processes and standards and having to, you know, just and having just you know, the ways you use version control differently when you're on a team. I mean, just all, there's all kinds of things that yeah. you're going to, you know, you're, you're probably going to improve some skills a little bit just by virtue of, you know, inter interacting somewhat. Yeah. Like but now the best John thing here who breaks a merge every freaking month. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've all been there. I do it all the time. Actually. The question, the, the thing is when you've broken a merge or whatever, it's like to figure out how to get, get back out of it. That's where your get foo comes in. It's like, how do I just, I want to get back to where I was. Like, I want to abort this thing right now and go back to where I was 30 seconds ago. And so the out, problem is you. Turns it, out that's almost always easy. It's, uh, well, it is, but your mess up is always in the history. Like, I, I I have to like keep committing stuff just so my, my, my mess up goes down the list because like, it's just there staring at me. It's like that. You ever see that commercial with the stain and it's just talking? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's what my my You're Git history looks like to me. I just I just see it. It's just there. Well, you could still you don't have to have that in your history. Oh, uh, could... but I have an app that lets me that I can view it. There's just certain things every so often I like to just double check and see where I'm at. Yeah, I I, I use the command line more so than I than I probably used to. I, I still enjoy using the command line, but the terminal window. I told you about this. The terminal window. If I don't if I don't do a commit with a comment, like I accidentally forget to do a comment and I hit enter too quick, mm -hmm. I get this message and then the terminal doesn't recover. And this is IntelliJ. I, you told me that the other day, and I'm like, I've never, I don't even I'll know show what you're you. talking I'll, about. I'll have to show you because I can easily re reproduce it. That's so bizarre. I've never seen that. And then, so then I, I screw up and then I push that mess up to my remote repository like yeah. an idiot mm. and now i'm like oh crap what do i do and how do i fix this and i've got this crappy message here and well just fix it and then force push you don't have you're not working with anyone else right now it's like i know anything. i know i just i hate it when i mess up okay um well that's i mean that's a that, that's the thing with the version control it's supposed to make the problem of messing up it's supposed to solve that problem like you can mess up it's okay and you can you can almost always just undo it get right back to where you were or yeah without having to again if you're working on a 
a project with a lot of velocity and you've pushed stuff out to public to shared branches or something that other people have then taken and started building on or your or your deployment system is off to the races deploying or whatever now yeah. now you now that you're just kind of screwed because you can't force push to fix that then you'd make even bigger messes yeah so your push yeah gets um burn, burnished in history in the history books yeah but i mean if you're on a if it hasn't been deployed and like no one else has based anything else off of it just force push anyway uh what type what what types of tests do you have in projects and again this is i think you get some multiple choice here Guess how many, what percentage of people do unit tests? 10. 71%. Really? I thought that yep. was the that last year's hotness. I don't know. I guess what percentage do integration tests? Uh, 10. 47%. <laughs> so it's 60 40? End to or end. 70 40? Yeah, I guess. Oh, wait a minute. How, how's that adding up? You, it's a multiple. You can oh, pick you multiple. Can pick so multiple. You can okay. unit tests and integration okay. tests or whatever. Okay. I was trying to scale it to So 100. each one is actually independent. Like what percentage okay. of them are doing, at least are doing this type of test. Uh, end-to-end test, 32%. You know what? I wonder if they defined what those are. Because if you ask, if you, if you just picked, I don't know, grabbed 100 random Salesforce developers, right? And I got to look at their code and I got to ask them, do you do unit? Do you, what kind of tests do you do? And they would say unit tests. And I would mm-hmm. look at the code and say, nope. You don't do unit tests because these are not unit tests. You think they're unit tests. <laughs> Salesforce may call them unit tests, but those are not unit tests. Those are, at minimum, integration tests. I mean, that's usually what they are, is integration tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, 83% are doing mobile, 59%, or sorry, 83% are doing Android, 59% iOS. Interesting. Yeah. It's because it takes more developers to build on Android than it does on iOS. I'm not sure that's true, uh, <laughs> but also um, the language. Well, first of all, Android is all Java based, right. but also now the new language of Android is Kotlin. It's literally created by JetBrains, and they have the awesome tooling for it. So, of course, it's going to be it's going to be weighted towards Android. Uh, which this was interesting to me. This is probably the most that's actually the most, most interesting result on this whole survey for me. Which cross platform mobile framework do you use? Number one, John. What's the number one? Cross-platform, uh, I, uh, not Ionic, is it? Uh, it's not the top, but it's on the list. Hmm. Top is React Native. Oh. Yeah, which is not surprising to me. Yeah. This I, is the surprising thing to me, because I still haven't really looked into it. I've just kind of been following the news and, and just thinking at a philosophical level that I like this. Uh, number two, is Flutter. I've Flutter. never heard of Flutter. Yeah. Flutter looks awesome. Look into is Flutter. It? Yep. Um, it's It's one of these things that... You you only write one of the apps, but it's similar to React Native in a way, I guess. It it ends up getting it ends up running natively, right? But the yeah, but it, it it's got its own widget system though. I don't know. I, it's I, I'm not going to explain it well, but it's definitely worth looking into. And then Cordova, and then under that Ionic, which is weird because Ionic uses Cordova, I think. So I don't know. Uh, Xamarin is six that twenty six percent, and then NativeScript only eleven percent. Wow. Oh, Apache Flex. That's um, Adobe. I guess they donated to Apache a long time ago. That's 5%. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. Do they have anything about Docker on here, I wonder? They have a tool thing. What tools do you use the most? Source code collaboration. uh, was number one. Then standalone IDE. Lightweight desktop editor. What's that like? VS Code or Sublime or something? Probably. Anyway, um, let's see. Anything else on here? Oh, there's cats or dogs. 33% dogs, 26% cats. Do you code on the weekends? What percentage of people code on the weekends? Like 100%. 
um, 87%. Now people talk about, oh, you should just get, take a bootcamp, be a coder. There's so many jobs. It's so awesome. Like I am having to spend pretty much every weekend of my life either working a ridiculous, you know, over expectation on how much I'm going to get done, how many hours I'm going to work and or like learning whatever this newest thing is. It's, and I'm always super behind mm-hmm. on all that. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no breaks. There's no, no rest. Like I basically spend between working and professional development, like 80 hours a week. Basically, I'd hardly get a weekend day off where I just, I'm not cracking up the computer to either work on something or learn something. Yeah. I don't know why people think this is so glamorous. <laughs> um, they watch hackers too many times. Do you expect AI to replace developers in the future? No. What do you think? What percentage do you think says, uh, said either yes, either partially or fully, just somewhat? Yeah, yeah, I probably think it does. Mm. What percentage? I'd say there's about 40% lambs that listen to the media. So 63% <laughs> are either yes, partially or yes, fully. But it's it's actually 57% yes, partially. Only 6% say yes, fully. I'm, I'm kind of like with that. I think partially for sure. 20, uh, 27% no way. No way. I, I would subscribe to to it only in the fact that companies would would gravitate to it hardcore to save money, but it it'll be a it would turn out to be a bad thing to do, and it'll bounce back to having people back on it. Is is my perspective on it? It's just one of those things that's too attractive because of a price point that companies are going to jump on it. We're going to go AI and coding and AI and tooling and everything else, and then it's going to backfire at some point. And be like, oh, we need someone to manage this. So here's the methodology. Uh, 19,000 people div- um, participated, but only, only the responses of 6,993 re- uh, respondents were included in the report. I wonder why. Oh, they did, they did all kinds of stuff. Twitter ads, Facebook ads, Google AdWords, JetBrain's own communication channel. So they, they spent some money on this. Hmm. Um, and they probably tried to like de-bias. That's probably why they, uh, I don't know. I'm sure it's somewhat scientific. Those guys are pretty smart. Anyway, okay, that's over. Apple? Uh, Apple. Let's do Apple. What's your impression? Disappointed? Excited? I mean, it was, I feel like it was mostly an evolutionary, you know, this is their typical fall iPhone event, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know how well iPhone truly comp- or competes with, or, or maybe it's the other way around, how much, how truly like, you know, the Google Pixel and the Samsung and the whatever, the Huawei or whatever these, I don't know who makes these phones. I don't know how, I mean, my, I've always felt like in general, Apple's had like the most solid build quality. And, and although I think Android's gotten a lot better, I've always liked, I've always felt iOS was just a little bit of a smoother OS. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, I've, I've always felt like the app selection on in the iOS world has been, has been better. Um, so I don't know how well they, uh, you know, I think I think a lot of the, some of the other some of the other phones have, have been really caught up in terms of camera technology. You know, you can get good cameras on these other. Some some people are just like, oh, their cameras and still the cameras and so whatever some Android phone are so much better than the ones that are going to be in the iPhone 11. I don't know. The cameras are are so damn good in these phones now. I mean, I yeah. my SLR probably has an inch of dust on it because I just <laughs> I don't need it. I mean, I mean, there's some things you still need it for, but I mean, for like for 99 percent of stuff, and I'm not going to carry that big ass SLR around. Well, it's also catering to a generation that that's all trying to be YouTuber and Instagram influencers, and they're constantly taking video and pictures and everything else. So, I mean, it really caters to them. And these and these phones now, between the fact that they've got two or three different lenses with different focal lengths on them, 
and the the software that they're that they're built into these phones to to use that and to do all kinds of crazy mm-hmm. effects and like I mean the stuff it, it's going to get so much better like just making things look portrait or or fake depth of field that depth of field thing is going to get a lot better yeah over time and it's, you're not going to walk need to walk around with a you know with an eight pound piece of glass anymore you're, it's yeah. going to be these three little bitty lenses and and a bunch of AI software that creates fake depth of field I mean so I don't know but anyway I guess my point was. I don't want to get into that pissing match of, oh, you know, these phones aren't as good as Android, whatever, because I always hear that stuff. I'm like, okay, I mean, they're just releasing their better phones. I mean, better than their previous phones, right? Yeah. So it seemed, it seemed, there's nothing in this, in the iPhones that made me think, oh, I've got to, I'm not even on the one, I can just, I can just get the new phone. I just pay Apple like 50 or 60 bucks a month, whatever it is. And I just, anytime I want, I can get the new, I can get a new phone. Um, And, and I see this and I'm thinking I might do the same thing I did last time, which is, I think I'm just going to keep my phone for another year. It's yeah. more of a. I don't see how it's going to change my life in any way. Now I am thinking about going to the smaller phone. This is the what do they call this? The the plus or whatever? I think so. Or the ten ten. This is the ten S. Yeah, so it's the bigger one. It's the it's one of the. Are we moving ones. past plus and getting into pros? Is that yeah? The plus, <clears throat> the whole X, the tenor and the tennis and all that. Those are gone. those are gone. <laughs> it's now yeah. It's 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 pro pro. Is there a pro plus? Pro max. Pro max. Okay. The pro max is yeah. even bigger than this. I'm thinking about going to the smaller phone because I'm I'm getting more repetitive stress injury, and I think part of it is just trying to stretch my thumb across my phone so much. Should have called it Pro Magnum. Pro Magnum. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> it's big. <laughs> yeah, that that phone's way too big. Um, but I mean, I could see you know they. Uh, I don't know if you are if you're doing pro. St- I mean, there it's crazy how much people are doing some pro stuff on their iPhones nowadays. I mean, yeah. You can plug a, a, a like a nice shotgun mic into it, and you can do some fairly legit stuff. Um, if if you know if you don't have the luxury of being able to haul around, you know these giant news gathering cameras or whatever. You know if you're doing whatever new stuff or yeah. I mean, so I mean, I could see how you'd want a giant phone, but it's not for me. Um, I was more interested in I'm waiting for the, a new Apple TV, which I can't believe they did. I was I was shocked they didn't announce a new Apple TV. Because you th- want one, that's why. Exactly. But, I mean, they have the new, the huge, you know, the Apple, I mean, more more details, I guess, on Apple TV Plus, which is their streaming service that mm-hmm. they're going to be launching, I think, in October. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, this would have been the time to announce it. Like, I mean, because the current Apple TV is over two years old, so it's pretty long in the tooth. And I thought, okay, what are the reasons why they w- didn't announce it? Either... One, the existing Apple TV is just, it's fine. It's got plenty yeah. of horsepower still. And there's really no, there would be no meaningful reason. If they would have revved it, people would have been like, oh, there's there's no reason to get this. This is Apple trying to get more money, right? They would have been, faced that backlash. Yep. So maybe they just like, they didn't need it. And this is going to be the Apple TV for the next year or two, in which case I should just go and buy one. Yeah, I mean, right? it's already, it already comes with a bigger hard drive options. But and two years old. And also four, the, and 4K, 4K, right? I mean, there's no other... There's no TVs out there for 5K, 8K that are within reasonable. Yeah. I'll tell you what, that Apple TV is a lot more expensive than its competitors. A lot more. It's what, I mean, a, a good Roku is like 25 bucks. Oh. And no, I think, and, and the, no, I think the Apple TV is like, it's like 120 for the non-4K and then like 180 for the 4K or something like that. But I will say mm-hmm. um, the Apple TV does, I mean, the guts in it are way higher, more higher than like what's in a Roku. I mean, I've, I was at a buddy of mine's house and he's got PlayStation View, which is one of mm-hmm. the streaming services, kind of replace your whole cable system with it. Yeah. And he's got it in one of his rooms, he's got it running on Apple TV. The other room, he's got it running on Roku. And what place, what these what these app people, app vendors, right? So PlayStation View in this case, because they've got apps for Roku and all these different things, right? 
they can what they can do on with the Apple TV's hardware is so much better than what they can do with Roku. I mean, the Apple TV it's it's smooth. It's got all these animations. It just looks great. Mm-hmm. And the one on Roku just looks very blocky and not animated, and just it's not. Might as well be good. your cable set top box. Yeah, exactly. Those things are crap. All they have to do is show a simple guide that's pretty much a web page. Although days, I, so. I run Plex on my Roku and it's 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 smooth, but I think you, I think just think the Apple TV's got a lot lot better hardware and the and the the framework the the development environment the frameworks and everything you've got used and all mm-hmm. that you've got I mean you got core animation just all that stuff is available to you as an app developer for Apple TV and what you have to work with on Roku my understanding is it's way basic, mm. so yeah um, I mean I'll be in a market for a new one because I. I think I lost one of them or gave one of them away. So I'm down one. Oh. But I'll need a new one soon. I was hoping for a new one as well, but... but yeah, so like you said, there, I don't know if there's anything they can add to it to make it attractive. So anyway, I was going to say, I, I think there's a... I was trying to think of why they wouldn't release a new Apple TV right now. And, and that, that, so that's one reason, right? Is that just they're, they're fine. They're good enough. There's there's no way they can really improve in any way that's worth people's money right now. Mm-hmm. And my other thought was, well, maybe they're, maybe they're going to wait until the launch day of Apple TV+. Plus. Because again, I look, I'm looking at the Mac Buyer's Guide, and the Buyer's Guide says, don't buy an Apple TV. It's like way too old, which is why I've been holding out. Um, I thought, well, maybe they're waiting just until the you know the launch day of Apple TV+. Plus. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense, though. It, it kind of doesn't, because we want people to have you want, Apple TV You want them already. to have the hardware so yeah, they can watch it, yeah. The other thing I thought was, maybe they just have a crap ton of Apple TV, existing Apple TV inventory they want to sell through before they, announce, before they start selling the new model. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about Apple TV+. Plus. Well, Apple, Apple TV is still, I think, a small portion of it. I mean, I think they're expecting, in terms of Apple TV, I think they're expecting more iPad usage, iPhone usage than they are Apple TV usage. Do you talk about Apple TV Plus? Yes. Where they're going to, where people are going to be consuming? Where people are going to consume. Yeah, because yeah. aren't are they making that app available on on things yeah. like Roku and Amazon yeah. and all that? Oh, I don't or, know about those. I mean, just all the. I think they are. I, th- are I they? thought I heard they are. Yeah, oh. I could be wrong. I mean, if they want to get penetration, well, yeah. Yeah. right? Then they'd have to. Yeah. Right? I mean, but Apple's been very much, they don't like to play in other people's ecosystems, but it wasn't that long ago. I swear it was, um, what was it that they now let run on the, uh, they are running on the other devices. I, I swear it's, I, I think they're doing, uh, on Apple TV now, you can watch, you can watch your Amazon stuff now on Apple TV, I think. So they've really, they've mm. really started participating and letting in other ecosystems and letting the other ecosystems participate in their ecosystem. So. Yeah. I mean, I've got a ton of streaming services on that. Yeah. But anyway, so I was I I didn't actually know that much about Apple TV Plus, so I went and looked it up. Um, but first of all, so it's it's four ninety nine a month, so it seems relatively cheap. But it's not one of these like cut your cable things. It doesn't come with your locals and your sports channels. It's it's more like the HBO. It's more like HBO Max. Is that what it's mm-hmm. called? HBO or yeah. HBO Now or whatever it is. Just their HBO streaming. It's like a you're buying a premium cable channel. So it's basically just originals. Um, now what's cool is like if you buy pretty much any. Apple hardware, including just an Apple TV, you get a free a year uh, a year free of Apple TV Plus streaming service. That's kind of nice, but um, they're only going to have at launch they'll have nine originals, which is great. I mean, but you'll burn through those, and they'll be like, "Why am I still paying five bucks a month for this?" Because yeah. that's the difference with like them versus HBO. Of course, HBO is more expensive, probably twice the price. But with HBO, they've got a giant back catalog, right? Mm-hmm. And can you watch um, non-originals through HBO Max? Or is it just their originals? I don't have it, so I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, even if it's just their originals, that's still a huge back catalog. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's assuming that you want to go that way. I think most, sure. most people today are looking for the, the latest new hot show, the latest. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just trying, to, trying to draw those distinctions. Like why, yeah. 
why, I mean, there's a reason why Apple TV Plus is only five bucks a month. And also a reason why there so many of us are not going to be paying for it for at least the first year. Yeah. We're going to be getting it free. It's just because it's not. I mean, I, it's kind of crappy because there's so many services and there's so many shows. A lot of them are good, but they're only on one. They're all, it's the whole exclusive access thing. I mean, I paid for Hulu and then canceled it because just so I could watch a show. And even and Netflix, yeah. I mean, they're starting to lose a lot of their catalog. Yeah. Disney's coming out with their streaming service, Apple's I, streaming service. Amazon has never had anything that I wanted to watch that I can remember. Oh, uh, we've um so the new what's the new top gear called? Um Grand Grand Tour? Grand Tour? We so we have yeah, you probably you probably have Prime Video just because you have Prime, right? Right. You wouldn't necessarily go out and buy Prime Video right. though. But um, yeah, we're, we're actually we're watching um, Catastrophe on. I think that's on. Is that on? Is that on Amazon Prime Video? I think it is. It's uh, it's, it's we're always looking for like thirty minute comedies because that's pretty much the only the only we don't, we don't have very much time to watch stuff together. Mm-hmm. And when we do, especially my wife just wants it to be like lighthearted and funny, not depressing or whatever, or serious or dramatic. My wife likes to watch soaps. Yeah, don't get me started. Um. Also saw that these shows that they're making, these original shows, mm-hmm. are they're averaging fifteen million dollars an episode. Cost is what they cost them. So they're putting a ton of money. They're supposedly, I mean, what people are saying is they they look great. I mean, they're just like top quality plus. You know, I don't even know. Well, I don't know what the Hollywood terms are for this, but I mean, it, it, if it's as long as it's not a polished turd, I mean, I just yeah. I, well, I, I'm the wrong audience, anyways. I'm not really big into the. These big series shows. I've never have been. I've never I've been. Able to, no, I, I, I like them. I, I mean, I, I like s- you and cereals. I can never talk about TV because I don't watch it. I know. Well, I mean, you too, but you don't watch as well. Supposedly, you're like, you're no, you're one of these f- freaking sorry, virtual, virtual, virtual. I can't even say it. Virtue signers. I don't, I don't watch much TV. Nah. And like, what do you do? Probably, what do you probably constantly watch TV at home? You're, you're laying in bed with your iPad watching. No, shows, the TV's so. always on. I don't, I don't, so I don't watch TV. It's not good for so you. So I, I watch a lot of the, the original um, Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes stuff, the Jeremy Brett stuff, uh, Columbo. Yeah. A lot of Columbo. Um, keeping up appearances, a lot of that. And I just rotate them because I'm always busy. And so I like to have them on. But since I've seen them, I don't have to invest my time in actually watching it because I can pick it up in the middle of the show or it towards the end of the show and not feel like I lost anything. Cause I've seen it a hundred times. Yeah. So it's nice. I get the That's background weird. noise I, and I, I can watch it. I, I never watch things twice. I hate it. I mean, I, my ADD is bad enough when I haven't seen something. Yeah. If I have seen something, forget it. I'm forget the guy it. that, that would in the office that fa- found a song I liked and played it on repeat all day. That's cause you're basic. Yeah. Well, <laughs> This is what I do. I like to repeat. Uh, <laughs> All right, John. Well, Until we started I get sick of it, and then we, I move on. We we're this we're a little. Sh- I don't know. How much, oh, you got some other stuff. I mean, I know we're we're actually a tad short, but we started late. So, what is if, a tad short for us? Not quite an hour yet. Really? Yeah. Well, that's fine. Yeah, it's fine I, with me too. I can go home and get dinner. Exactly. I'm starving. I've, I've had one of those little yogurt cups today. I had hummus and a chicken breast. You're not pronouncing hummus. 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 <laughs> Those red pepper hummus. <laughs> All right, John. Well, we got anything to wrap up with? Are we good? No, we're good. Okay. Well, uh, dear listener, if you're not in our Slack yet, this is our our weekly admonishment. Please please check out our Slack. Uh, it's at gooddayserpodcast.com. Just click on community. 
and uh, put your email address in and John will add you. And you can experience the Good Day Sir Slack community. Uh, we thank uh, Amy Rochelle for that review. That was really awesome. It was very, it was a very nice review. Make, it warms our hearts and it also helps people find the show. Um, and if you would like to leave a review, we would love that as well. And you do that either in iTunes or wherever fine podcasts Just are served, iTunes. right? Uh, what else? Uh, just email us with uh, content or questions or anything. If you want us to talk about something on the show or if you just want to communicate to us privately, uh, email is one way you can do it. Info at gooddaysforpodcast.com. And for anyone that's still listening, uh, share us with your friends. That's like the most important thing. With your user group, with your coworkers, with your boss. Friends and family. That's how the show grows. I know. Yep. All right, John. That's all I got. Go get yourself a, I don't know, a new iPhone. They go on sale tomorrow. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, my wife's birthday. Maybe I'll tell her she can get that. Oh, that's solves the problem for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. I'll just, I'll draw a picture of it. No, you just, you order it, pre-order it, and then print out your receipt, and then you put it in a thing, and that's what you open it, you know, she yeah. opens that and sees that. Yeah. We didn't talk about the watches. There's not, but not much on the watches, though. No, but we're already, we're already in wrap-up mode. I'm that's a, right. I need to get my Dave Chappelle wrap-it-up light for you. <laughs> here. I'm, I get my wrap-it-up light blinking here, John. <laughs> you bastard. To that, I say, good day, sir. Wrap it up. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Salesforce only does one thing, which is CRM.